Hey everyone, the Islanders season may be over, but we're not done writing about them. And every sports story matters, so join up to The Athletic for just a dollar a month. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season that's still going on. So subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash Belmont, you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. Sports are back and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash Belmont and receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. We hope to see you there. Welcome back, everybody. This is Arthur Staple, your host of No Sleep Till Belmont, the Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Uh, we're here to, unfortunately, wrap up the Islanders season. It uh, ended just the end of last week in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Final. Uh, an incredible run, and we brought on an incredible guest and someone who everyone here is very familiar with to wrap it up. We couldn't finish the season without him. Here's Mark Parrish. What's going on, my friend? Oh, things are good. Kids are back in school and the NHL playoffs is still going on. My inner clock is all messed up, but, but I love it. I'm doing well, buddy. How are you doing? Uh, I've watched so many hockey games from my couch, pushing kids out of the way in the last uh, month and a half. It's been amazing. But uh, sadly, um, it's come to an end for the Islanders, but uh, less sadly, it was uh, it was an incredible run. And I'm sure you, you caught all or most of it what uh what do you think watching them kind of tear through a playoff that uh, was unlike any other before uh i did watch every game and i loved it too the way they played the steps that they took the belief that they had really is the first thing that comes to mind as you say that because the season we're talking about the end of the season they were struggling things weren't going well are they going to be able to pick it back up find their game and it's amazing how they just take a break and come back and played lights out early on. They were the best team in the playoffs. They played the best team game. Uh, their goaling, goalie Varlamov stood on his head when he needed him to. His defense, Pollock, Pellick, holy cow, what a pair. You know, and you see guys like Brock Nelson just be a beast all through the playoffs. I was so impressed with how they just – it was like a light switch. They just, oh, we're playoffs now? Let's go. And, you know, you've been through uh, maybe not that much of a, a long playoff run, but when you have that mentality from, from the first guy to the, the last black ace, is that just a testament to Barry Trotz and his coaching staff and being prepared through months of all the uncertainty? Absolutely. It's a great job by Trotz because it can, it can be very tough on your emotions, on your confidence, being the black ace back there. I've been there, been that guy in and out, and it's hard to kind of stick with it. You don't really feel part of the team, but you're part of the team. And a lot of that comes down to how the coaches handle you. So you've got to give Barry Trotz a lot of credit too. But I also think the Lululemon Murillo and the character he brings in. The bottom line, that's character for all the guys that are going to, willing to step up and play the, the less minutes, you know, be ready to play every other night and to have those guys around. That's a lot of Lou Lamarillo bringing in the right guys. And speaking of bringing the right guys, you know, uh, right before uh, the the pandemic shut down the season, you know, we saw Andy Green and we saw Jean Gabriel Pajot play without much success for the team after they came in. But two guys that uh, that Lou clearly had a lot of faith in uh, Green, having known him, having signed him with the Devils many years ago, and Pajot. Uh, you know, gave up a lot first and a second round pick, signed him immediately to a six year deal worth five million per. And um, 
you know, the, the pandemic was was no good for anybody. But but from a hockey standpoint, it clearly w- allowed those two guys who were veterans who had only been on one team before to, to kind of calm down and ease into things and they get an extra training camp. How how vital was that and how much of a you know benefit on the ice that you saw with both those guys in the postseason afterwards? Boy, they, they both just stepped in. It looked like they were Islanders for life. They looked so comfortable. And uh, I go back to how many times I've been traded and you switch teams and there's, there's usually an adjustment period. You got to, and it sounds silly, but you got to look down and you're skating, you see different colors on your shin pads and your gloves are a different color and the lighting's different. You're going into a different locker room. Uh, well, back in the day, before GPSs, you got to find a new route. You got to get directions to places. It's just these all these little things that take time. And so I think that pandemic helped for them. So they just kind of got to know the guys more. And they got another training camp to to really get to know Trots and the system. And, man, I, it, it was incredible. The way they both stepped in and played added to that depth, big-time goals, uh, green on the block. It, it was amazing because usually – you don't want to notice a defenseman because that means he's doing his job. You notice Green because he was going above and beyond in the other end. It was in the defensive zone. It was really impressive, really fun to watch. Yeah, and to see him kind of, you know, the loyalty to Johnny Boychuk, which obviously, you know, he's a guy who's been a warrior for the Islanders for years and years, and he got the nod really uh, for game one against Florida and unfortunately takes a, a shot to the head and goes out and no hesitation for Trotz to put Green in on his offside and, um, you know, I honestly thought, like you said, he was he he was using his skating and looked so fresh. Um, I thought he made Nick Letty better. That like that pair, at least through the first few rounds, looked looked exceptionally good. And I think as a third pair, that really was something that made a huge difference for them. Absolutely, that depth in the D. Uh, you know, you talk about the the, well, the Martin. I'm sure we'll get to the Martin Sezikis line too. But uh, you know, you talk about the depth of the Islanders. How. Barry Trotz has confidence in, in everybody that he seems to throw on the ice, and that goes right along with those two. And I think Letty did kind of relax a little bit. He's got another guy that can skate pretty well, and he's just it's that comfort level, and you, you can you, your partner feeds off that. And especially for to go on your offhand like that, that can be tough. God, Lord knows I went to the left wing a few times, and I felt like a fish out of water over there. I couldn't wait for Batesy to get back over and take my spot. <laughs> Um, well, we'll talk about Matt Martin then when you're on a team, um, and, and obviously this, you know, this Islander team is a capital T team and there's no, you know, Matthew Barzell is the most dynamic creative player, but there's no superstar on this team, especially up front. And it's, it's a four line team, but when you've got a guy like Matt Martin who trip chips in with five goals in the postseason, um, you know, and makes that line, not just a line that goes out and, and, you know, puts a, puts a licking on another team's defense, but also, creates chances and scores goals. Uh, what does that do for your, for the team and just for the, the lift you get when that line is out there, not just to tie a shift, but to actually get you out in front. That work ethic that they show that enthusiasm that they show the way they go in and they're four check and play down low below a goal line, that playoff style hockey, the, the just the grinding that they do. It's so on both teams. It's, it's, it's uh, what's the word I'm looking for. It's, it's intoxicating. It, 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 it goes right through. That's not the word I'm looking for, but uh, it, it's it's the, the rest of the guys on the bench feel that they they that energy, that intensity, and it gets the guys on the team fired up. And the other team on the flip side, they can't they can't take a break. They can't take a breath. They're not looked at as like as a typical fourth line because they can chip and their energy line. They you know where Barry Trotz will start them early. 
Matt Martin starting early and getting an early goal for him. That like those are incredibly huge. Those things just can't be. It's not many teams that have a fourth line that is so consistent when they're out there and what they do for the team. Whenever the team needs a lift, seems like they're out there and they create a spark. And it's just by simple hard work ethic. And then and then again, like you said, they chip in on goals. That's the that's an amazing fourth line. I I, I apologize. I'm not even calling a fourth line anymore because they're not. I mean, it, you know, I think sadly when, when Casey Zekas went out with, uh, with the retina injury uh, in the Tampa series and they had John Gabriel Paggio between Martin and Clutterbuck, that line was a third line. You know, the way that Martin and Clutterbuck were playing, not just with the hits, and Clutterbuck was really uh, a heat-seeking missile all throughout that series, but creating chances. And that um, that's not what a fourth line necessarily does. And I think you see, you're going to see a lot of teams, and we'll get into this later on in the flat cap era. You, you know, the Islanders' fourth line is an expensive fourth line, and whether they can keep it together is is something we'll talk about. But fourth lines are going to be uh, a real hodgepodge, I think, now because it's going to be leftovers. And and I think the way the Islanders have it, you'd have, probably have to agree, you're going to have an advantage, even more of a one than they've had, if those guys can stay healthy and stay doing what they've been doing. It's, it's not a, a fourth line that the other team can just match up their fourth line. So they're playing their top line more. You're wearing them down more because the minutes that they play against the big boys. And it's just harder to work in the D zone. When you're down there grinding those guys in the offensive zone, it tires you out and putting on more minutes on the guys that you trust to play against them. Not just, I mean, I just remember when playing the fourth line went up, the other fourth line went up. That was yeah. just it. Just stay even. But that's not how they are. Now a word from DraftKings. Week two of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week three, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right. You can place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. How could you pass that up? Don't worry if football isn't for you. DraftKings is giving all you MMA fans the same great offer to use for this weekend's UFC 253. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code QUICK when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week three, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code QUICK during sign-up. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're back with more with... Uh, Mark Parrish talking about the Islanders playoff run. And you mentioned uh, early on Brock Nelson, you know, and I wrote uh, kind of a, a long recap these last couple of days about what we saw during this run. And, and I called him the MVP. You know, I, I, you don't know what's going to happen if they had managed to overcome Tampa. Obviously, Semyon Varlamov would have played a big part in them getting to the finals. But for my money, if you're going even over the course of the regular season and last season and last season's playoffs since Barry Trotz got here, Brock Nelson is their MVP. So uh, you might agree, you might not, but I'm, I feel pretty secure in saying that, watching him play. Uh, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. He has absolutely flourished on the very trots. And, and you can see it in his game, how more confident he seems to be with the puck, and battles for the puck. Uh, he's just a beast out there. I mean, I'm, 
blanking on the game where he scored a goal in the offensive zone on a quick back check, turns around and just fires it by Varlamov. And you could see that intensity, that drive, and he's just loving it right now. He feels good, and he's he's really owning up to that contract. I think there was a lot of people at first that that, that contract was a, they were a little scared because Brock has at times. I love him to death, uh, and a good friend of mine. But there are times where he kind of I don't want to say falls asleep, but he kind of lacks that intensity out there on the ice. And he's kind of that just natural laid back guy. So if he's not going. And the same that it, that intensity that we saw in the playoffs, he seems like he's not working hard. He's still not. He's still working hard, but not the level he was now. Where it's just he just seems like he put the team on his back at times. The way he scored goals and oh, that you know the the huge save on Vasilevsky overtime game six. I thought it was done. I yeah. thought it was that game yeah. was over. Uh, you know, and I'm sure Brock, as as any goal scorer does, will will remember that for quite a while tend to beat yourself up over those moments and he shouldn't because he played great and Vasilevsky's a spectacular goaltender. Yeah. And I think that whole line with him and Anthony Bovillia, and if we're talking about maybe a guy that's a breakout player for the Islanders among their forwards, you'd have to look at Bovillia. He, he looked like he was shot out of a cannon from the minute that they got up to Toronto to the bubble, uh, scored the first goal in the exhibition game against the Rangers uh, I think, as I mentioned in, in the stories that recapping uh, in the three clinching games they had in the first three rounds, five goals for him in those three games. Uh, when you see a young guy like that, and we've talked about him plenty in the beginning of the year, a guy who, uh, much like Brock, used to be a very streaky scorer. And, and as Barry has mentioned about Bovillier, maybe let the, the production get in his head a little bit that you don't, he wasn't as complete a player, wasn't as focused a player when he wasn't producing. Now he's... He's got it, and he and he really had the shooter's mentality too. I think he led them in attempts throughout the the postseason. Um, what'd you see from him? And then we can't forget Josh Bailey, who uh, almost set an assist record for the Islanders in the postseason there uh, on the other side of that line. Yeah, uh, you nailed it. Those guys were dominant. It was so much fun to watch the speed they were coming in. Uh, they complement each other so well. They skate to support each other so well. They always seem to have an out. And yeah, Bovillier yeah, got nine goals, Nelson nine goals, and like you said, Bailey with the assist. Uh, I was on my edge, edge of my seat. I don't want to say they remind me of the Lucky Sevens line. They were better. <laughs> they're, they're better than the Lucky Sevens line. It was just, just so much fun to watch when a quote-unquote second line is playing at that level. Yeah, and, and on the top line, you know, there were some ups and downs, a lot of ups. Matthew Barzell uh, had some really great signature moments in the postseason. Jordan Everly had the big double overtime goal in Game 5 against Tampa. But I want to focus on your fellow Minnesotan, Anders Lee, who has always kind of, uh, not always, but, you know, he missed the 2016 playoff run with a broken leg. He was sitting on in street clothes in 2015 when he was a younger player. He didn't have such a great playoff last year. But this one really seemed to belong to him at times. Um, and I do want to ask, as a former player, and you know the way people play, his hit on Nick Backstrom. Is that one of those, I see him coming and I should probably get out of the way, but I'm definitely not going to because it's the first two minutes of, of the series? <laughs> or is it something where really like he, he just looked up and said, oh, this guy's coming right at me and I just I got to brace myself? Uh, uh, I'm going to go a little bit above. Oh, no, no, I got to go, go with the first one. I, he knows. This is playoff hockey, and it's Nick Backstrom. He's a guy that, that, that you can take off. He's, he's a dominating player. He's a difference maker for Washington, and Lord knows they've got plenty of skill. But when you take him off, you take a guy off the power play, it just throws everything off. 
you got, they're, they're probably not used to it. They're, they're not used to it. They've been practicing together. Now they're throwing out a different line. I mean, it, it'd be like taking off Bailey or somebody like that off of that bee, uh, the killer bees or whatever we want to call them. Uh, you take them off that line that just changes the dynamic completely. And I'm sorry, this is playoff hockey. I would have done the same thing, but I think I would have been the one that got taken out. <laughs> yeah, Backstrom's a big boy. And to see him go down like that, you know that that uh, Anders was... Uh, and that one really, you know, he, he was good against Florida, but he didn't have a goal. And that one really kind of set him on a path. I think he had seven all seven of his playoff goals in, in, that, in the Washington and Philly series. Um, but then you saw a different side of what he can do against Tampa. Um, good distrib- distribution. I think he had four assists in that series. And obviously, you know, offense was at a premium against Tampa. But he... He looked, um, he looked fresher. You know, you can kind of pick out the guys that look like they, you know, they they use the time in the the downtime to kind of heal up. Um, and and as a fellow power forward who used to, used to park himself in front of the net, uh, when the season ends, how long did you did it take for you to start to feel normal again? And did you see that in Anders's game throughout the playoffs? Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah, it, for me. There was a good uh, month-ish, month and a half after the season where it just took everything, all the bumps and bruises, took everything to go away where I felt good again. Like we use the term fresh, and that's exactly how he looked. I don't know what he did over the break, whether it was rest more, whether it was if he just found a balance to where he came back similar to the rest of the guys. And he just really, really played hard, really played fresh. Because when you get to the playoffs and you are a power forward, I think about that Toronto series we had. And I'm watching them go win another round. And I just couldn't believe it. I, I was just laying in an ice tub. I was so sore. Everything hurt. And I, I was like, I cannot believe how far these guys are going, how well they're to get through this battle. So how exhausted you are. And yeah, it just comes, and especially coming off of a full season, it's coming off full season. I would have loved to have had a break in between, you know, but, but yeah, then again, I don't know. I'm still blown away at how well they came back and just turned it on. And it's a commitment to that by them. It's a great job by Barry Trotz and the coaching staff. And, and, and you see a team that believes and they play for each other. I love the way they, they just played for each other. They kept going. They were smart. They, they didn't get, they, they, they were, they, they, they really did a good job staying patient. They didn't try and force anything. It reminded me so much of the old devils <laughs> yeah. watching them play. Uh, you mentioned earlier too, and I, it, timely to this part where you talk about how they hit the ground running, they probably wouldn't have achieved what they were able to achieve without Adam Pellick being back. And that was probably the biggest surprise considering that back in January when he ruptured his Achilles before uh, a game in the the first week of January, um, that seemed like a a season ending injury and it would have been in a normal season. But um, not only did uh, the pandemic put everything on hold and allow people, you know, players who were injured like him to come back, uh, he was able to skate pretty much the entire time through the lockdown under the the rules that the NHL had put in about rehabbing. And, and um, so he was out on the ice more than just about anybody else during that lockdown. And he sure looked it. you know, I, I, I imagine that as a, as a scoring winger from your career, when you saw a guy like Pellick, a, a no frills, unflashy defenseman, you were probably like, yeah, I could take this guy. And then he's poking the puck <laughs> off you and again, they're going the other way. He did, and he was doing that. No offense to you, he was doing that to some guys that have uh, that have scored a couple more goals than you in this league. Whether it was uh, Alex Ovechkin in his line, uh, a guy who probably end up with more goals than you. No offense, and Alexander Barkov in the first round, he was facing <laughs> off against top line after top line. 
And uh, until he ended up leaving, uh, missing game six against Tampa with a broken wrist, and I pointed it out online, this guy played 30-plus minutes in game five, a double overtime, with the broken wrist that needs surgery, which is ridiculous, but I'm not a hockey player. Um, <laughs> what did you think of him? And you mentioned him and, and Pollock as a, as a top pair that I think a lot of people didn't know about around the league before this postseason started. They, yeah, they, they turned a lot of heads. We, we had a lot of conversations at the NHL Network. Mike Rupp and I were arguing that they easily could be the top pair in the playoffs with the way they played. That they were the, the way, they were incredible. They just stepped out, played their game. They made it look easy, like you said. And, and it was, that's the thing that blows my mind. The first guy I thought of when you think about a defenseman I hated going down against uh, and making it look easy, Nick Lidstrom. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was irritating he, he could just, you knew you weren't getting around him. And there was guys like that. Chelios had a, a really good stick. Chara had a stick because it came from 20 feet away for crying out loud. <laughs> uh, you know, you think about those guys and like you said, you're like, all right, I'm just going to chip it and play smart. And that's, that's exactly how he came back and did. And the confidence he had uh, and Pollock, like I said, that deep pairing, I, I could easily argue that they were the best deep pair in the playoffs. Well, that's pretty strong praise. I mean, uh, you know, Tampa has Victor Hedman, but they kind of don't really have a set partner for him. It's just Victor yep. Hedman goes out for a half an hour of a game and dominates in all three zones. But, <laughs> but yeah, as a D pair, um, you know, and really as a D core overall, I think that second pair, you know, Devon Taves at times looked like a young guy out there, especially in the last couple series, you know, had a couple missteps, but also had that really nice goal in game six. And I thought Scotty Mayfield, um, who I was maybe the only regular that I failed to mention in my in my stories the last couple of days, <laughs> I thought he was really good, you know. And and uh, as we're getting into this, no, no, now the off season where we start checking cap friendly and making sure we know how much cap space everybody has, and it's not a lot, obviously. Scott Mayfield and Adam Pellick combined three million and change cap hit for another year. Um, that's, you know, that's a masterstroke and that's credit to Garth Snow. You know, Lou Lamarillo inherited some problems, but having a decor that's pretty much on the cheap is not one of them. And young guys at that, um, you know, seeing Mayfield out there and, and also contributing a, a timely goal there in game seven against the Flyers. When you have guys like that that have all been together for a few years, uh, it seemed like they all kind of raised each other's game. And, and if somebody was sagging a little bit, someone stepped to the forward, which I imagine is how you have to have a long playoff run. Absolutely. You nailed it right there. And, and it'll be interest, interesting to see what uh, Lou can do in a couple of years when, the, when those contracts expire. Uh, because they, it has been so much fun uh, to talk about Mayfield, so much fun watching him uh, the last few years when I got a chance to work between the glass and some games with the Islanders and how he has grown into the player he was. You know, you could tell he was just making young mistakes, just position-wise, simple changes that he could make. And again, uh, he was a defenseman that I didn't notice all that much, which is spectacular. <laughs> you know, he, I thought there was times he had some very timely pinches. He, he had a great gap. Uh, he made it just tough for everybody to get around in there. And he played simple, smart hockey. And now a word from Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation on ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. 
The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple, too. Just go to GetRoman.com Belmont and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com Belmont today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com Belmont. GetRoman.com Belmont. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, we're back. Here's our last segment now with Mark Parrish to wrap up the Islanders postseason and regular season. Um, and now let's spin it a little bit forward into this offseason that nobody really knows what's going to happen. There, it seems like 26 teams are already within about $6 million bucks of the cap because that's nobody anticipated. This would be a flat cap. And then there's you know, the Buffaloes and the Jerseys and the Detroits and the Ottawas of the world uh, that may not be the biggest destinations. But uh, the Islanders need new contracts for Matthew Barzell, for Ryan Pollock, and Devon Taves. They have about uh, $8 million or so in cap space. That's not going to cover those three guys. Uh, put your GM hat on for a minute, Mark, and tell me where do you think this team can can kind of trim some of the the, the contract uh, fat, you know, and it's not fat because this is a this is a well a well oiled machine under Barry Trotz, and they don't really want to change a whole lot. But is there a place you feel like they could make a change with the current roster? And then, uh, having watched them play, do you think like there's there's an area that uh, that maybe they could add someone from outside that that would help a certain aspect of their uh, their operation? Oh boy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have some friends in that room, so we're. You're, oh. this, you got sometimes you got to be tough as the GM, even the fake GM. It it, it is. It's really hard. Uh, I love him to death. One of the guys that I could think of uh, finding a way to make some room and some money, maybe Nick Letty. And let's let's point out now. And I pointed this out when I wrote. I thought he was great. You know, he, this was this was spectacular. a spectacular postseason for him, especially late in that Tampa series when Pellick went down and they needed they had seven D and they were rotating him in with different guys. I thought he was really good. He looked fresh. Um, he didn't make a lot of the kind of the the physical mistakes or instinctual mistakes that uh, that had kind of plagued him a little bit uh, in previous years. I just thought he was real sharp. And this is not a knock on him as a player. It's more like you said, this is you got to find cap space somewhere these days. Yeah, it really is. It's it's really hard decisions, and yeah, I, I couldn't couldn't agree more. I love him that he played very, very, very good, but he's a little bit older. He, you know, he the, the hit he takes, you can save some money there. Um, maybe, you know, they got the forwards, their depth at forwards. Um, find something there, but again, man, it's hard. I, it, it's without looking exactly at the salaries, I guess, and and the ages. Um, you know, I, I, I maybe Clutterbuck. Uh, yeah, a guy with one year left at a, at three point yeah. five, which is a lot for a fourth liner in the in the flat cap world. Um, I, I kind of was having a, a quick text conversation with uh, 
with an executive from another team and I kind of threw out uh, Casey Zizekas' name. And that's certainly not, you know, he's an identity guy for Barry Trotz and it's not something you'd want to do. But again, a guy with one year left on his deal at a decent number, he's probably going to get a raise after that. Um, And, you know, I think you saw when he went out and he's unfortunately the way he plays, you do, you are going to end up missing time uh, as he missed during the regular season and at the end of the Tampa series. Uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot gives them a lot of a lot of cushion at center. You oh. know, this guy took 78 faceoffs in the last two games of the playoffs. It's uh, he just seems like an energizer bunny out there, and third on the team in hits for a guy that stands. You know, they list him at five ten, but there's no way. Um, so you know, I wonder if you're going to see somebody who's a not only a popular guy with the fans, but a popular guy in the room get let go. Yeah. You know, we, I didn't want to put you on the spot you know, obviously Andrew Ladd has a big cap hit for a few more years. Oh yeah. Uh, he's got kind of a, one of those buyout proof contracts because it's so much of it a signing bonus. But on the flip side, that means once his signing bonus is paid this year, he's owed a lot less in actual cash than his $5.5 million cap hit for the next three years. So that could make him somewhat attractive to a team that's not looking to spend a lot of actual money, but also get to the, get into a comfortable cap range. Johnny Boychuk, um, I think is owed, eight million dollars in cash even though he's got a six million dollar cap hit for the next two years he could be a possibility even though he's going to be 37 in a few months um and letty really you know we talk about him as a viable trade chip because he can still play and that and that that's an important consideration now You, you you're you don't want to be giving away guys and having to sweeten it with a draft pick even though they don't have many draft picks or you know a young prospect to try to get somebody to take things off your hands you know, kind of the way the Leafs did with with Patrick Marlowe last year with Carolina giving away their first round pick. Um, you don't want to be in that situation. So you have to really look for guys that are still appealing around the league. Now, we'll change gears a little bit. Um, is there is there an area where the Islanders could use some outside help, whether it's a prospect or uh, someone, you know, a, a forward from another team, let's say, uh, you know, kind of the scoring is always been a been a, a bit of a bugaboo these last couple of years, especially in the series when they've gone out last year against Carolina, this year against Tampa. Is that an aspect where you kind of say, yeah, maybe they could use another guy who can put the puck in the net? Yeah, you look at that power play. I think they finished at fifteen yeah. point something or other. That you know that stands out. You need special teams coming down the stretch with all those one goal games, the OT games. You know, there's opportunities there. Uh, you know, and it's it's a learning curve too because you, you like, sorry, I'm gonna digress a little bit on Barzal, where he kind of he was forcing it a little bit too much. He was trying to force a play where he just didn't play simple. It wasn't that he didn't want to? It wasn't that he wasn't working hard? But he was killing that power play with trying to force a play, really make it happen. And I understand there. I, I understand it's an easy uh, cobweb to get stuck in. To be honest with you, you, you want to do it for the team. You have the best intentions, but it ends up backfiring and they just really weren't able to get things going, you know, consistently on the power play. So I, if you can add someone like that, uh, some power play guy where they can maybe get in there, another puck mover, uh, or, you know, you said shot first mentality, you know, I love that. <laughs> I, I love guy. When I was coming across the blue line, it was just, when do I have a lane to throw this on net for crying out loud? And, uh, you know, you find the guys, but the problem is, is those are tough to find. You know, you, you find goal scorers, is tough to find. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be, it sounds like, you know, Mike Hoffman is could be out there, um, who was a guy who, you know, scored a couple of nice power play goals off of one-timers against them in that qualifying round. Didn't do a whole lot else, which doesn't maybe make him the best Lou Lamarillo, Barry Trotz player. 
Um, you know, you've heard rumors about Patrick Line maybe being available. That's obviously a much bigger consideration with Winnipeg, and he's one of the prolific young goal scorers in the game. But then you're going to have to change a lot of things. And my sense is Lou is not in a mode where they were two wins away from the Stanley Cup final to say, we're going to change it all because we need more scoring. You know, it, it, that's mm. not his MO, generally speaking. And I think um, watching the way that they responded to his coach right from the get-go, like you said, the way that the coach pushed the right buttons with some of the black aces, putting them in and out of the lineup, choosing which goalie to use, uh, and we didn't even get to talk about Ilya Sorokin, who was uh, up in the bubble the whole time, assigned for next year, and uh, you know probably signals the end of Thomas Grice's Islanders career, as good as it was. But uh, that's an area where they probably are looking at an upgrade. Yep. Um, you maybe got a little bit better goaltending tandem, especially with the kind of run that Varlamov had. You've got your D. Noah Dobson's going to need to probably be in a more regular role. You've got Oliver Wallstrom up front who's playing over in Sweden right now who might fill a spot cheaply on the, in the top 12. There are some ways they can improve internally, but to improve externally is going to take a lot of work even beyond what Lou has to do just to sign his own guys. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised. Lou's pulled some rabbits out of his hat (laughs) a long time. It's amazing what he can get done. Uh, So yeah, it's, I, this is the, these are the time of year. These are the decisions I do not envy being a GM at all. These are difficult, (laughs) difficult decisions. And you know, you talk about Mike Hoffman being a goal scorer, bringing him in, not necessarily Barry Trotz or Lou player, but can they, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Barry Trotz makes him a very trust player, the yeah. way he can coach, the way he teaches the game, the way he guys, the guys buy in and commit for him is, is really amazing to be honest with you, where it didn't matter. It's like, he could just plug and play watching him, you know, change up lines, throwing Pajot against, he could throw Pajot with anyone. He could play with anyone. It doesn't matter. And to have a guy like that, you know, in your arsenal as a coach is, 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 is incredible. That's something that everybody wants. Somebody you just throw out there in a D zone face off, throw out there and uh, you need down a goal up a goal whatever it is he can play he's your guy out there is is is, is priceless yeah but yeah it, it'll be i think that knowing lou and and the cap space they you've got to give these young guys a shot at least you know noah dobson getting a little playoff that's great but you know can he step up and be that player yeah it's uh, it's a big consideration and and uh we'll see uh we'll see maybe if they revisit that possible deadline deal for your good buddy Zach Parise if uh if they make that happen we'll make it come back on the show and talk about tell some good Zach Parise stories so oh promise I can handle that (laughs) all right well this uh this has been great I wouldn't want to wrap up the season any other way to have uh, our good friend Mark Parrish back on the show and uh thanks Mark this has been great thank you so much Arthur I appreciate it it's fun doing it again with you guys awesome Well, that's it for uh, the 2019-20 season, everybody. Thanks for listening all the way through, even all the way through the time when we didn't have any hockey to talk about. Uh, The Islanders (laughs) had a a magical run, and uh, I'm glad we were able to to talk about it every week. And uh, the offseason will be just as busy, it seems like, and very condensed. So we'll be back with a couple of shows, certainly through uh, for free agency. If they make any big trades, you'll hear us here. So thanks, everybody, for checking in, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.